Well, we started a series a few weeks ago called Good Ground, and we're going to continue in that. Let's look at Mark 4, verse 1. Mark 4, verse 1 says, Again and again he began to teach, Jesus began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell on thorns, or among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produce some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 10 it says, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. In verse 13, And then he said to them, do, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And so then he begins to explain what the parable meant. Verse 14, The sower sows the word. So he gave the, the illustration, the parable of the sower going out and sowing seed, and now he's explaining that the seed represents the word. Verse 15, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. We'll come back to that. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter into, into choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundredfold, or some a hundred. So Jesus gave this parable, gave illustrations of different types of soil, and this, the word uh, is sown, uh, the seed is sown in different types of soil, representing the word being sown into different types of people or hearts being uh, in receiving it. And so the, in verse 20 it says, the, the ones that are sown on good ground, these are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So those are the ones on good ground. In the Passion Translation, it says, other seeds fell on good, rich soil. 
And the NLT, it still says, still other seeds fell on fertile soil. So good ground represents a good heart, represents the right type of, of a heart that the word is going to take root and produce. In Luke 8, 15, it says, The ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. That gives us a little bit uh, more clarity or more information. It says, The ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So it calls a good heart, or good ground, it calls that a noble and good heart. In the CEV, it says, These, those seeds that fell on good ground are the people who listen to the message and keep it in good and honest hearts. They last and produce a harvest. So that's what we're talking about. The type, that, the type of heart that produces a harvest is this type of heart, good, honest, accept the word, do it, hold on to it, and bear fruit. And, you know, as we get into this, we'll talk about different aspects, um, you know, of the different types that don't bear fruit and the type that does and, and just different uh, ways of approaching this. But here it's saying the ones that do, they bear fruit, though that's the category we want to be in the ones that actually bear fruit. All the other ones, for one reason or another, the Word did not produce. And somebody said, well, the Word of God always produces. It doesn't. According to this, the Word of God is pure and perfect, but it only produces uh, in a certain type of environment when we're talking about it relative uh, to people. So tonight I want to focus on one part uh, of this. I, go back to Mark 4.15. I want to talk about one aspect of this. One aspect of this one part. Mark 4.15 says, And these are the ones by the wayside where the, the word is sown. When they hear... Actually, go back to verse 4. Sorry. Verse 4. Mark 4.4. 4. It's just the verse right before there. It says, And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell on the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. So this is one group. This is the first group. It said the, the sower sowing the seed, but it just falls on the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it. So before the, the seed went into the ground at all, birds came and got it. Now, in verse 15, Jesus is explaining what this is, what this represents. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, so when they hear the word, people hear the word, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the seed just falling on the soil, on the, on the, the rocky ground on the side, when it uh, gets eaten by the birds, that's the same as the word being sown, word being spoken, and immediately Satan comes and takes it away. In the CEB, verse 15 said, this is the meaning of the seed that fell on the path. When the word is scattered and people hear it, 
right away Satan comes and steals the word that was planted in them. Now let's go over to Mark 6, verse 1. We're going to look at one aspect of this, how that word gets uh, uh, stolen and how it gets taken out of people's hearts. Mark 6, verse 1, it says, Then he went out from there, Jesus, and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many, hearing him, were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are they not, or are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. So Jesus is in his own hometown. And go back to verse 2. So he has his disciples followed him. In verse 2, it says, When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. So he began to teach. What is he teaching? Well, we're going to see here in a minute what, what he, you know, the, the scripture seems to indicate one thing he always taught, but he was teaching the word of God. He was, but he is the word, the, 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 um, the living word. And so the words that are call, coming out of his mouth are truth. They are the word of God. There is nothing wrong in anything he says. He, he's not like people, humans that aren't. I mean, he was a person, but he's 100% God, 100% man, and he was perfect. So there wasn't a single word that came out of his mouth that was wrong. You know, with a person me or anybody else, we could say something incorrectly. You know, people, we do our best, we, we flow with the Spirit of God, but, you know, it doesn't matter who you name on the planet, uh, you, me, we can make a mistake. We could say the wrong thing. That's not a bad confession. I mean, look back, you know, we've all made mistakes. We've all said something that wasn't right. Jesus never did. Everything he said was right, was perfect. He never had to say, oh, that's not what I meant. Let me rephrase. He never had to stop and apologize because, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, that was inappropriate. Never. Not when he was teaching, not in private, ever. He always said the right thing, always did the right thing, Always. I mean, that, that's hard for us to comprehend. You have to receive it by faith. The Bible says he was spotless. He was without sin. So he was and is. He's the Son of God. And he came to redeem us. So he is teaching. Verse 2, if you can put that back up, says, When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. So he is saying what? Perfection. Everything he's saying is right. There's not a single thing wrong with what he's saying. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, now notice, this is his hometown. Where did this man get this, these things? And what wisdom is this which was given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James? Joseph, Judas, and Simon are, are not his sisters here with us? 
So they're saying, well, we know this guy. We know who his brothers and sisters are. We know him. Where did he get this stuff? In other words, what, who does he think he is? And then it says they were offended at him. They were offended. Well, they're, you're offended at the Son of God. He didn't say anything wrong. But notice that he was teaching, but what he was teaching is not going to take root in their hearts because they just rejected it. If they're offended, that means they don't, have, they don't listen to what he has to say. In this case, it's because, oh, we know who you are, so we're not, we, they think they know who he is, so we're not going to listen to it. And, well, that word's not going to go anywhere for them. Praise God. Let's look at uh, Luke 4, verse 16. I know we're reading a lot of scripture tonight, but um, let's look at this account. Another longer account, similar situation. How many of you think that Jesus had something good to say? I mean, you imagine hearing one of his sermons. I mean, we have them recorded, but to hear them in person, you know, reading something is different than hearing it. You know, of course, we have the written word of God. We thank God it is inspired and not taking anything away from that. You imagine being in his presence. I mean, there, there's never been a greater preacher than him. Teacher, preacher, you know, prophet. He, he was it all. And I don't think there's anybody walking the planet or, you know, any of the apostles, anybody that had anything on Jesus when it comes to preaching. I, I imagine he could preach. I remember um, Jesse Duplantis talks about his, he, he went to, to heaven. He had an experience that he went to heaven, and he talked about him preaching. Jesus, he said, he started preaching to people, and he said, I'm going back to the earth. I'm not going to do it the way he did it, but he was yelling, I'm going back to the earth, and I'm bringing back, uh, you know, your family. And he started preaching to people, and people in heaven. But he was, he said, he was preaching, and he's a good preacher. Always oh, a good teacher. He was perfect. But people rejected it. Verse 16, let's look at Luke 4, verse 16. It says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart. Notice what he's saying. He is saying, he's going to say this um, more emphatically, but he is reading this, this prophecy out of Isaiah, and he's going to say, this is being fulfilled as I'm speaking it. He's telling him exactly what's going on. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he read scripture, the word of God read the word. Jesus is the Word. He's reading the Word. He's saying, I'm fulfilling this. Verse 21, then he began to say, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? 
So then he starts saying uh, some things about the fact that, see, see, this is his hometown. And they're start, he's starting to talk about the fact that he's done things other, other places, but not here. Verse 23 says, And he said to them, You surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, so also do in this country. In other words, we've heard about stuff you've done other places. Let's see it. Let's see what you got. Verse 24, Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country, saying, You're, I'm not going to be accepted in my hometown. Verse 25, for, But I tell you truly, many widows were here in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. There was a great time of uh, there was a great famine throughout the land, but to none of them Elijah was Elijah sent except Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Verse 28, so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, he basically said, you don't believe anything that uh, I'm, I'm saying, so it's the things that I did in other places aren't going to be done here. It says, when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. So these people heard the Son of God read the book of Isaiah and then speak to them further, and they got so mad, they tried to push him off a cliff. Of course, he just, wa he just walked right back through them. He, they could not kill him. He had to lay down his life. But notice, they heard the word. They were obviously offended. They were, I mean, in other places, it, it talks about uh, people being offended. Here, they're trying to kill him. Is that offense or not? I mean... But notice, it's the Son of God speaking the truth, the perfect truth, yet people, it didn't even sink in anything. They're ready to kill Him. They didn't receive the Word. They didn't, they didn't take it in. It didn't even get that far. They were offended. They didn't like what they heard, and so they rejected it. And right there... They were stolen from. I mean, they're not even, it's not like it didn't help their lives. They're trying to kill the Messiah. That's a bad category to be in. That's a bad place. This is not God that's helping. This is, this is, this is the devil riling them up. And anything good, Jesus was saying, as far as they're concerned had no positive effect on their life because they were offended, they let go, they, they decided they didn't like what was being said. Look at James 1.21. We'll come back to uh, another example of Jesus. But I want you to see this. James 1.21, you skip down to that. It says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. 
receive it with meekness, the implanted word. The CEB says, therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness and welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save you. Welcome the word planted. We're talking about the word of God going forth and it needs to go into our heart in order to produce a harvest. And this is saying to welcome it with humility. What does that mean? Well, it, it means that you're saying the word is right and anything that I might think against it is wrong. Now, it could go into an extreme situation like these people are rejecting what Jesus had to say. They, it's, not, it's not just a light like, eh, maybe I'll look at that next week. It is, I hate what I'm hearing. That's an extreme form. But this takes all forms. When we talk about the Word of God going forth and our response to it, it can be really subtle like, eh, I don't know about that. And we're talking about the Word. You know, yes, you, we should judge the word as far as judge the, what people say as, as if it's the truth. Anything I say, that's why we have scripture. Anything that I say, anybody, any, anything that anyone else that you know would preach or teach, we ought to go to the word and assure, make sure that it, the word is saying what they're saying it's saying. What I'm saying it's saying. That's why we look at the Bible. It's not a man's opinion. It is the truth. What does the truth say? But when we are hearing the truth, and we are hearing the Word, and we know it's the Word, then what's the right response? Okay, yeah, yep, that's, that's true. What if it goes against something we've known, we've thought we, was true, something that you know, we, we've heard and we've practiced, but the Word shows us that uh, something else is actually true. What's the right response? It's to receive it with humility. Humility means, I could be wrong. Not everything I've ever done, ever done is right. Perfect. I mean, if anybody wants to stand up right now and say, no, actually, I've walked a perfect life, then we'll pray for you after the service. Because there's multiple misunderstandings there. We, there is one Savior. His name is Jesus. He walked perfectly. None of us have. And every single, now this is not a bad confession, every single one of us, every person has parts of their understanding that are incorrect. Me, anybody you know, you can name. If you say, oh no, they understand everything. No, they don't see like God. And every honest person that is preaching the word, will, will tell you the exact same thing. We're growing. We're learning. The Bible says we see as through a glass darkly. In other words, we know in part. We see in part. We don't understand perfectly, which means next year I should be further than this year. Five years from now I should look back and go, man, I was doing the best I could, but I've learned some. I know I can look back five years and say that's true. And hopefully we all can, that we're growing. We're learning. We're coming up. Well, that means, how does that happen? The Word comes, and it'll show you. The, 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 the Word is a mirror. It's, a, it's, a, it's light. It'll show us where we need to change. And the right response is, yep, I see that. I'm going to get on that. 
I'm going to change it. But what our flesh wants to do in our pride and, you know, if our unrenewed part of our mind is like, no, I, man, I, what? I don't, I don't know if that's true. I'll, we'll see. No, maybe not. And we got to watch any response that is dismissive. And it can come from so many angles. See, Satan's crafty. The word comes and he will use anything that he can to get us offended or dismissive of what the word's saying, you know, the person delivering it, the, the way they talk, you know, their background, or they didn't say this right, or, well, what, that contradicts something that I thought I knew and I really like this person. Anything to get us to be like, to back off so that the word won't actually produce, because if we don't let it into our hearts, it's not going anywhere. We just fell into that first category. Now, we're talking about the word. We're not talking about somebody's opinion. Sure, if it's somebody's opinion, you, we better judge it by the word. But when the word comes, and we know it's the Spirit of God, if Satan can get us offended, if Satan can get us to resist, if Satan can get us in pride, if Satan can be like, well, I don't have any problem with that. I'm not going to... Anything that we detect that's kind of a bristle... Number one is normal. As we grow, our flesh wants to recoil. It'll push back. And so we have to shut up. Shut up, flesh. No, the word is right. And with humility, welcome it. Even if it's something that corrects us, even if it's something that, um, you know, we change the, the way we've done something the last 15 years and we realize, hmm, that was wrong. You know, I, I knew a couple uh, that we went to church with in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, and um, actually went to the college weekend with them. Um, they were going down, and I, was, I had just started my engineering job and just graduated, and then I was starting an engineering job, and I went with them down to check it out, and I came away going, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be working at this job, and... and um, you know, it was great and everything, but I'm, I'm going to continue in, in the church and, and I'm doing what I need to do. They went down and they decided we're going to Ramah. You know, we're going to get trained. And when they came back and when we heard them over and over, they would say this. They were like, we cannot believe how much religion we had in us. We would hear the word coming forth and we're like, oh my gosh, I believe this other thing. And all it was was tradition. It was somebody's opinion. They were in church and this is just the way we did it, but it wasn't based on any word. And over and over they go like, oh man, that's religion too. This is what the Bible says. This is what I believe. And they're like, we had, okay, the Bible's right. The Bible's right. The Bible's right. And over and over, like, you know, you go to class three or more hours a day. It's over and over like that. Well, that's the way life is. It doesn't mean we're just bumbling around in the dark. It means that if we're going to grow in God over time, there are going to be times the, you see the word, and you might have read that verse 150 times, and you say it, and you're like, oh, that, that's what, oh, okay, that's what that means. Hmm, I guess I have to make an adjustment. And as we make an adjustment, we come up, and the devil try to get you to be like, no, you don't need to make any adjustment. That's not right. Well, Okay, if it's the word, and you know the word, if, if, if you know, uh, if you walked with God, the Spirit of God in you is going to bear witness with the word, the Scripture is going to bear witness with itself, and when it's there, if we, if we go, nah, 
nah, I don't know. Well, we just dropped it. We just dropped the word, and it's not going to it's not going to bear fruit. And this is, we need to, what we're, we're talking about is this is a tactic of Satan. No, this is the first part of the parable. If he can get us to drop it, so when the word comes and something offends us, it's happened to everybody. I've been in services where I'm like, mm, I don't like that, but I'm like, that's right. But you're inside, you're feeling stepped on. When that happens, if Satan can get you to be like, no, and drop it, that's the first step. We didn't even get to the word being choked. We didn't even get to where it's, you know, excited about for a little while. We were just like, no, thank you. We checked out really early. It might have been the words came out. We were like, no, thank you. I don't like your hair. And we're done. People do that. I'm not saying I've heard that, but, you know, whatever. Other people <laughs> could be. <laughs> but, you know, people are like, I don't like his suit. I don't, like, I don't like their accent. People do all kinds of you know, stuff like, well, I, I, don't, I don't like your background. What, and, oh, I don't like the way you said that. And okay, well, I guess you'll have to get the truth from you know, somebody else. Somebody will have to do that. that. We don't want any of that. When something hits us, the right response is to welcome the word. I mean, think about the people that were sitting and listen, or standing and listening to Jesus. They were hearing perfection. They, they couldn't, there wasn't anything that they could be offended justly about. There's nothing. Yet they still were offended. And they still dropped the word. They could have heard Jesus be like, this is amazing. This is... I'm, I'm hearing, I've never heard anything like this. Who is this guy? And they could have been following him around, and their life could have gone in a completely different direction, but right at that point, they decided, no, we need to kill this guy. Well, that, when the word comes in a certain area, it could be like, this, man, this is different than what I, I, I thought I knew, but man, this is awesome. This is the word, even though our flesh may be going, oh, I don't know, but no, this is the word. I'm going to receive it, and our life could go in this direction. It could be the answer we needed to change. But instead, if we reject it, we could just stay over here. And, and actually, the word came. The possibility was for it to start going over here, but we could just stay over here. What makes the difference? How we respond to it. If we say, yep, yep. Maybe, maybe I need to hear that, and we welcome the word, then that word is able to change us. Look at the James 1.21 in the NIV. It says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept the word planted in you. That's our attitude. We ought to go into, when we're hearing the word uh, um, taught, preached, doesn't matter who's preaching it, teaching it, we ought to go with the attitude, I'm going to humbly accept the word, because it's the word of God. It is perfect truth, and the word is, and as we're, if we're hearing the word taught and the truth, 
then we ought to do it with reverence and be like, I'm ready to go up. I'm ready to come up. I'm ready for my life to change for the better. And so I'm, I'm ready to accept. What, what do you have for me, Lord? I used to, I remember when I was a, a, a single young man in college, I would look forward to going to church. Wednesdays, Sundays, I would, I knew that I was going to get, I wouldn't articulate it like this, but this is what was happening. Every time I would go and I would get the word put into me and my life would be changed for the better. It was like, it was custom tailored for me. And I would be like, this is awesome. God minister to, ministers to us through his word and his spirit, and it is always for our good. The word comes forth, there's always, you know, a change that we can come up, you know. And uh, as we hear it, if we're open, God can minister to us. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13 It says, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us. Notice the way it says that. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us. So it's the word of God, but you heard it from us. But the important thing here is not that you heard it from us, it's that you heard the word of God. You welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also affects, effectively works in you who believe. You, that is so important that when we hear the word, we receive it as the word of God, not as the word of men. It's a problem when, when you know, sometimes there's... Uh, we got to watch following people. We honor people, and we can hook up with people. And I believe that's God-ordained, the fact that we have people that are really minister in our lives. That's God-ordained. God hooks us up with certain people. But you don't look at the person. You're receiving it from God. Don't get your eyes on people ever. I know people would sometimes, this would happen at Rhema, um, you know, they would have, Pastor Hagen would preach on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings typically, but then an associate minister would preach on, on Sunday nights typically, one of the associate pastors, and they still do that today. It's very wise. I mean, Pastor Hagen ministers, and then he's, go, he's there. He's listening. Every Sunday night, he's getting the word put back into him by very able teachers and preachers of the word. But, you know, pe people would occasionally be like, well, I, I don't, you know, so-and-so is preaching. I, I don't really, they're not my favorite, so I'm not going. Don't ever let that attitude get into us. If the word's being preached and I'm where I'm supposed to be, I'm there. I'm hooked up. Hey, I don't care what the vessel is. I want to hear the word because that person's ministering the word. That we receive it as the word of God not as the word of men. 
and honor the word, receive it humbly, accept it, and let it change our lives. Let's look at one more example uh, of Jesus. John 6, verse 47. Now this is a, a we're not going to take time to read this whole passage. We're just going to talk about certain parts of it. But Jesus is speaking in this passage, and he starts to talk about some things uh, that he came down from heaven and that he is the bread of life, and people don't receive it. They don't accept what he's saying. Verse 47, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the, rest, for the life of the word. Verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So they're missing the whole point. Because he says later, I'm not talking about the flesh, I'm talking about the spirit, but they're getting all upset about it. Verse 60, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard, hard saying, who can understand it? They're like, I don't know about what he's saying. Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. He's saying, look, I'm not talking to you about the flesh. I'm talking to you about the Spirit. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore I said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. In other words, they left Jesus because of what he said. That word came forth and they said, I don't know about this. And instead of show me, teach me, I know you're right, I need to understand, it was, I'm out of here. So verse 66, he says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Verse 67, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? So he looked at the disciples and said, You leaving too? Verse 68, But Simon, answered, or Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? This is a good response. This is a good response in our lives. Because Satan will try to push you and say, well, what about that? I don't, you know, I don't know about that, that, uh, you know, the Lord's, you know, he's impressed you. You know, he's saying something to you. And the, and the devil try to get you to go, well, I don't know about that. And try to get you to get unhooked in, in whatever way from the plan God has for you, get unhooked from the next steps. So if the word comes, it's trying to bring you up. And if we go, mm, I don't know about that, then we're unhooking. He'll try to get us um, to do that. But a good response is, 
wait a minute, what else, what, where am I going to go? If I know the word's coming and I'm going to say, mm, don't know if I want that, then where are we stepping? Or where are we staying? Well, I know that's right, but I don't want to change that in my life. Okay, what does that mean? I'm right here. What does that mean I'm going to be in six months? Right here. I don't, I'm not going anywhere. Brother Hagen, um, he told the story, maybe you've heard him, heard him tell it. Uh, when he was on the bed, he, he was paralyzed. He was on the bed of sickness. He, he was reading the Word, and he got to the point where it was, uh, Jesus was talking about, therefore do not worry. And he said, that was the hardest thing for him to give up, is not worry. He said his, his, his mom and his grandma were world champion worriers. And he said, that's the worst sin of the bunch. He goes, yeah, I called it a sin, because it is a sin. He goes, that's the worst sin of the bunch. He goes, because, you know, people think of sins, you know, doing certain addictions and different things and smoking, chewing, drinking, whatever, doing drugs, whatever. He said, this is the worst sin of the bunch. He goes, the other ones will half kill you. This one will flat out kill you. And he, but he realized God was showing him he's, he's going to have to, to, he's going to have to change. And when he just kind of went over that, am I getting my story right? That's the, that's the one he was talking about, right? He just tried to move on, and he said everything became dark in the Word. He's like, well, I can't, you know, I can't do that. And everything became dark. He just, he couldn't get anything. It was like he couldn't get anything. Until he went back and was like, all right, I accept that as where I'm, I'm changing. As hard as it may be, I accept that. And then he said everything opened up again. It's a good place to be like, well, God, if you're pressing me, if the word's coming forth, all right, here we go. If he's asking you to do something, okay, here we go. You say, I need to, I need to, to change something. Oh, well, here we go. If you say, no, it's like, where, where, so where are you going? As a Christian, as saying, the Son of God is our Lord, and the word is coming forth, if we just reject the word, that means that can't take any root in our heart. And what, what, where else are we going to go, though? What else are we going to do with it? You put that up again. We'll read the rest of this. So verse 68, Jesus asked, do you guys, do you want to go away? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So he's saying... You have the words of life. If you're saying it, I may not understand everything, but it's right, and you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, okay. That's humble. That's humility. That's accepting what Jesus is saying, regardless of where we are, regardless of what we understand, regardless of what our flesh is saying. We're saying, Lord, you're right, and I'm moving forward with you. That allows the Word to go into our heart, and now we start moving forward with Him. And ultimately, you know, we hold on to that, we believe it, and it bears fruit. But one of the first 
lines of attack Satan has is to, in some way, get us to let go of the word before it ever has a chance to affect our life. So we need to be aware of that. Just be aware of it. When, when, when the word's coming, if we are offended, if we're agitated, ask, where's that coming from? Why would I be mad about the word? Because if he can get, if Satan can get you mad, well, I just don't understand. Okay, ask yourself. So you don't agree with the word coming from the truth or there's something pushing on us. Why would we be mad? Why would we be angry? See, that is always a wrong thing. That's, that's like these people that are like, we're going to kill him. We're going to run him over. If we didn't understand something, the right response would be like, mm, well, Lord, show me. But when we're agitated, that's a sign that something's off, that somehow Satan's pushing us. He's trying to get us to do this, let go. And if we're aware of that, then we'll be like, ah, no, 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 I'm holding, no, I'm holding on. This is going to change my life. I'm not letting go. And now we just moved forward. Amen.